Hello everyone, today we are talking about the topic working with a neuro neurodiversity with Greta Koiviko. Are you starting in SEO or are you working from home and feeling isolated? Join Women in Tech SEO. We are your tribe. Women in Tech SEO, it is a community. We share ethical principles. We have a Slack channels where you can ask and answer questions. We support each other. Being part of a community is an incredible feeling. Hard to describe. You have to trust me in this. Head to our website to discover all of our initiative, womenintechseo.com and join our community. Hi, it's Iseline and today we have an amazing guest. It's been long I wanted to invite Greta here, so finally she is with us. And she's going to share with us a very, very important topic, what it's like to work with a neurodiversity, but also like how as a colleague we can help and be supportive on the workplace. So let's all welcome Greta here. Hey! Hey, I'm so happy to be here today. Uh, it's a podcast that I really enjoy listening. So like a ma major life and career goal to be here. Thanks. Thanks. It's a pleasure to have you. And of course, everyone can find Greta on Twitter. She has an excellent handle, her greatness, <laughs> fun play words. And um, don't hesitate to ask any follow-up questions after this interview, of course. So Greta works as an SEO strategist specializing in e-commerce SEO. Being on the spectrum, she's passionate about neuro neurodiversity at the workplace. I'm laughing anytime I say neurodiversity because we discussed about the correct <laughs> pronunciation. So don't mind me and let's start. <laughs> yeah, I'll give us both. Neither one of us speaks English as a first <laughs> language, so we're just trying here. First of all, Greta, tell me, like, what, what do you mean? Can you explain, like, what it means being on the, sp being on the spectrum? Uh, yeah, so when I say that I'm on the spectrum, I'm referring to the fact that uh, I got diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder when I was nine. But usually the pe reason people say that they are on the spectrum, they use that terminology to acknowledge that autism, it's a spectrum and that everyone with autism is different. So there's not really one size fits all. And when it comes to autism, terminology uh, can be quite different. So for example, me, when I describe myself and my autism, I use a lot of different ways. I might say that I have autism, I'm autistic, I might say I'm neurodiverse or that I'm on the spectrum. So all of those to me essentially mean the same thing, that um, I'm autistic and Uh, if there's any anyone who doesn't quite know the definition of autism, so I just looked up like an official <laughs> definition. So it's a developmental disability caused by differences in brain. So some people see it as a disability. Some people prefer to think of it as a difference. But yeah, it's it's a brain thing. All right. And how does it affect your working life? What difference does that make? 
I like to think about like pros and cons of it. Uh, obviously, the bits that need maybe more accommodation are the cons, but I also want to kind of recognize how my autism has helped me, not only at work, but also at school growing up. So because of my autism, I have quite good memory, not quite photographic, unfortunately, I wish I did, but um, I tend to remember things, especially if they are facts that I find interesting. So that's definitely helped me at work, especially when I started in SEO two years ago, because there was a lot of new concepts I had to learn. And then another thing that uh, has helped me at work is the fact that I'm able to focus intensively, especially again, if it's something I'm really interested in, like SEO. So I might go into these like very kind of deep work, working zones or moods where I just smash things through. So that's something uh, that, that helps, especially if you need to complete something for a deadline. But then, uh, of course, there's also the more challenging bits, uh, which kind of people may not know about. So I think my biggest difficulty at work related to my autism is uh, poor time management skills. So it's not that I on purpose leave things until last minute. It's just for me, it's very difficult to estimate how long tasks take. And it's not only at work, it's also on like on my free time, every aspect of my life, I might be like, oh, I'll be ready in 10 minutes. But I won't be because the thing I think takes me 10 minutes actually takes me 20 minutes. So that's something I really need to keep an eye on, especially working in a busy agency where you're always struggling with multiple deadlines. So going to talk about that a bit more later on how um, workplaces can support their neurodiverse employees who struggle with the same thing. But um, besides poor time management, I think another thing that sometimes causes me issues at work is not understanding indirect communication or missing social cues. And I think that's something that's quite commonly associated with autism, something people tend to know more about. So autistic people, we tend to communicate quite directly, maybe more directly than uh, non-autistic people. And I think especially living in the UK, I've really had to sometimes adjust my way of communicating because uh, I don't know if it's, the, it might be the fact that I'm autistic or it might be the fact that I'm Finnish or maybe a combination of both of them, but I tend to have quite straight to the point way of communicating. And then when I started working in the UK, I've realized that here, I need to be a bit more strategic with the way I say things. Uh, just like British politeness, it can be seen as rude if I just boom, 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 just shoot up straight to the point. I may need to say certain small talk, certain politeness, uh, kind of beat around the bush as to say before I get to my point. So that's something that doesn't really come naturally from me. Uh, and then when people speak to me in that way, I really need to focus to pick what they want me to understand because I can easily get lost in a conversation if, let's say, for example, I'm getting feedback from someone at work. Maybe they want me to improve in a certain aspect. And they might want to say it in a really polite way, like, what do you call it? Like, is it like a hamburger model that like you want to give someone feedback, but you kind of wrap it in compliments to make sure that it doesn't sting so much? I appreciate it works for some people, but for me, if someone gives me feedback in that way, I might completely miss the thing I actually need to improve on. So 
yeah, I think those are the <laughs> two things, uh, how it affects my work, time management and communication when it's uh, vague. Do you think that um, especially in person or in the office, or do you also feel this like when you're working remote or having like Slack or email conversation? I think it's especially challenging uh, when you're on like Zoom or Google Meet because like when you're at the office, at least for me, it's easier kind of to follow the flow of the conversation. But with something like Zoom where, you know, everyone's internet speed is a bit different, people might easily end up interrupting each other. That always happens to me on Zoom. Like I kind of think, okay, now that person has finished, now I'll go in with my point. But then they haven't actually finished. So... Yeah, it can be tricky both ways. And did you develop like some personal tips, like, I don't know, a post-it to remember to do a little bit of chit-chat or? Um, I think it's just something that time has helped with because I've lived here for uh, nearly four years now. So now I've learned that, um, you know, for example, in the beginning of a client meetings, we might say, you know, how was your holiday? How was your weekend before we go to the point? So I think just, yeah, assimilating to the culture, but then if I ever move back to Finland, I need to assimilate again. Uh, remember that, uh, in that country it's, you know, you need to go straight to the point. So depends on your surroundings as well. But I got to say that, uh, Where I work now, Novas, I've been here like seven, eight months since September. And do want to give a little shout out that Novas uh, is a place that I found really good place to work for neurodiverse people. And actually even one of my managers is neurodiverse, which is quite a big thing for me because uh, it makes me feel represented. Because I remember I was once attending a lecture on autism and they mentioned that it was quite a high number. Like, was it like only 20% of autistic adults in the UK are employed? And this is not a reflection of autistic people's abilities, but more the lack of accommodation within the workforce. So kind of seeing autistic people, especially autistic women in leadership positions always makes me feel really good because it kind of shows me that it's, it's possible even with certain things that hold you back. In your working life, did you find it was an easy topic to discuss uh, in a working environment or how, how did you feel about sharing, you know, like explaining to clients, do you have to, to say something special or? I think for clients, I haven't really brought it up. I mean, it's not that like. I would have wanted, but it just hasn't really come up or there's been no situation where I've held, where I've felt that it's been needed. But I've usually mentioned it at some point at work, especially if you need to fill in anything like facts about me when joining, because I feel like it helps, helps that my colleagues know about it. So maybe they can interact with me a bit differently in a more clear way. But um, yeah, for me, I've been lucky enough to work in quite uh, like open and good and supportive organizations so it's um it's made it easier to kind of disclose that fact but then I also acknowledge that since I got diagnosed really young but I was only nine years old so that means that I've kind of 
grown up knowing I'm autistic. It's always been like a really big part of me, part of my personality, my identity. So it's something I'm really okay with and kind of don't mind talking about. But then I know that if you, let's say, get diagnosed as an adult, it might be a more difficult topic to talk about. Maybe it's something you're still coming in terms with yourself. So I also think that since it's something I'm... I've come in terms with, I then want to kind of talk about it and then open the floor to the people as well who may still be in the process of getting there. And if, let's say that I'm your colleague and I'm really unaware and I'm trying to be nice, but very clumsy and unaware, how would you educate me? What what do I need to know and understand? Well, if I think of something like super specific that sometimes maybe not cost issues for me, but it's made my working life easier when it started happening. So asking how that autistic or neurodiverse colleague likes to be briefed in tasks and projects, because obviously whether autistic or not, everyone's a different learner. Some people prefer to take information on a call or some people prefer to have it written, but I'm very much a fan of written uh, brief tasks. So if someone just briefed, briefs me a task, just like, on a whim, you know, randomly at the end of a call, if I'm not taking notes or not fully registering it, there's a high chance that I don't get it right. So I think that's one little thing that people can do to show that they are accommodating, not only for autistic people, but really anyone, because we all differ in that that way. Or it might be that someone has, I don't know, learning difficulties or dyslexia, and they prefer to go through the information multiple times just to make sure they've understood. So that's maybe one thing. And then another um not getting offended that I might ask a million questions because I actually had a chat about this with my colleague uh, earlier and she had read this interesting article somewhere that often uh, non-autistic people might get a bit confused or even offended when autistic people ask a lot of questions because they think that there's some ulterior motive behind those questions maybe trying to you know prove the other person wrong or make them look bad but really the questions are just to at least for me they are just to make sure that I've understood correctly I've gotten all aspects of the brief or the whatever I've been said so yeah anyone who manages me or works with me I usually just like warn them in advance that I'm gonna ask so many questions so please please don't mind <laughs> Right, so the questions, they are really a way to show your interest, interest and make sure you understood correctly rather, yeah, there's really no motive. Yeah, yeah, it's just to make sure, for example, if it's when briefing a task, just to make sure that I've got all aspects of the brief that I'm, you know, doing it from the right point of view, that the output will be the right format. So, yeah, it's really just to make working easier both me and also the person who's expecting to get the task out of me it seems actually understandable but i have seen you when you explain it i'm like okay yeah i see but i have seen you posting on social media and um, saying that you were looking for speaking opportunities so which means that you feel the need to explain more and and share about it so tell me why do you want to, why is it important to share about neurodiversity? I think for me that since, even though it's much more open these days, the discussion about around neurodiverse people, it's no longer a taboo it used to be. But another statistic that I want to mention, that's something that stick with me. 
I think it was like the Institute of Leadership and Management of some big big institution in the UK shared this statistic that according to their studies, 50% of employers employers would not employ a neurodiverse person. And obviously that's something that I find really sad because neurodiverse people have so much to offer. So I think coming across statistics like that, it really shows why it's essential that we keep talking about neurodiversity in the workplace. And I think that people need to know that neurodiverse people can make and are brilliant employees. Some of us just might need a bit of support there and there or maybe adjustment. But then I feel like it's also due to like lack of knowledge on how to actually make those those adjustments, how to support. So I think one thing that my workplace has been really good on is that they've actually educated managers on how to manage neurodiverse people because I'm not the only neurodiverse employee at my place of work so I know that they've sent my land managers and a couple of other line managers to an actual course so they can learn better ways of managing neurodiverse people and that's something that's really yeah I was really touched when I heard about that because it made me really feel kind of seen and understood and also made me happy that it may be that I don't need as many adjustments, but there might be another neurodiverse person who needs more. So knowing that those support systems are in place uh, really makes me happy. And when you speak on podcasts and go to conference, you're hoping to change these statistics, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, obviously, it's often like the organizations and the leadership team that has to kind of un- understand their seriousness of this issue so by speaking about it maybe sharing those statistics sharing actually actionable tips around how to support neurodiverse people I'm hoping that those will get heard by the right people the people making the decisions like one other thing I've heard that many neurodiverse people really struggle with is hiring practices and interviewing personally I've always I mean, I'm this weird person that I really enjoy like interviewing for jobs, but I, I appreciate that I'm the odd one out here, but I know that quite a few neurodiverse people might not stereotypically be what is seen as a good candidate. You know, many people still associate things like eye contact, firm handshake, personable, skilled communicator, backs of confidence. They might associate those kind of things with someone being a good candidate, but then these are some things that might place neurodiverse people at disadvantage. So when kind of companies maybe go through their hiring practices, they can think of ways how they could make interviewing more, more kind of a nicer experience for neurodiverse people. And then that way they could also maybe have a more diverse workforce, make sure they are hiring different kinds of people. What What's an example of, of the, the ways a company could change the hiring hiring process or step or evaluation, is it? Um, well, when I've chatted with some other autistic people, many of them have mentioned that they really struggle, uh, for example, with maintaining eye contact with the interviewer or someone who has ADHD mentioned that they might get easily distracted. You know, because job interview is usually quite a structured discussion, but someone with an ADHD might struggle with that and easily kind of hot hop between topics. So I think it's mostly just if the interviewer is aware uh, that these kind of things may happen to neurodiverse people and maybe 
willing to overlook them, understand that they are not, you know, if someone is like that in a job interview, it doesn't mean that they are a bad candidate or they can't make it, such as kind of acknowledging that there's different ways to do job interviews. So I know sometimes uh, some people might struggle with, you know, when you go to an interview, you don't exactly know what they're going to ask. You can't quite prepare to set questions. So I've known of organizations that have sent neurodiverse candidates the questions in advance so they can go through them and prepare for them. And then that will help reduce their anxiety through the through the uh, interview process. And there's also some good resources on this. Uh, I'm quite um uh, like there's this organization in the uk that's really close to my heart it's called ambitious about autism it's a charity but uh, it's not only uk specific so on their website they have lots of good resources for how to make hiring processes or work-life adjustments more uh adaptable and kind of make them fit autistic people's needs so if there's anyone listening who wants to learn more maybe how to revamp the interview process or just make their place of work more welcome for neurodiverse people i highly recommend checking out ambitious about autism what do you have planned about speaking opportunities or about sharing about neurodiversity for 2023 um i haven't actually pitched anything yet because um like this this springs brighton seo will be the first brighton i'm missing in like two and a half years because I'm actually getting married the same month but once once that's all over once I've post wedding post wedding planning I definitely want to pitch for Brighton in uh, autumn 2023 and uh, maybe some other conferences as well I have a couple of like more direct SEO topics in mind but I would definitely do want to do a big talk about neurodiversity on a big stage at some point as well How exciting. Well, you have a really good reason not to go to Brighton this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It hurts me not to be there, but yeah, I think I have a good reason. That's great. Do you have any favorites? Like in case anyone is listening, I mean, so podcast, conference, webinars, you're up for anything. We can send invitation your way. Um, yeah, I'm not really. Everything goes. I do quite enjoy like physical conferences because I find that um, kind of interacting with the audience telling a couple of jokes really helps me relax and you know while I'm speaking but I wouldn't mind doing other podcasts as well I quite enjoy the kind of conversational aspect of a podcast because obviously when you're at conference doing a talk is much more structured but then with podcast I like it that you can suddenly you know say a question that I haven't maybe even thought of myself and then I yeah Everything goes. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> the word is out there. And if someone is going through a similar experience or similar feelings, what would you tell them? Maybe just like you can still make a brilliant employee. Not even, I don't even want to say despite you having autism, because that kind of would make it sound like, you know, it's, it's a struggle. So I think just Try to adjust your thinking that despite the challenges your autism may cause you, try to see it as a strength. So that's why when I was earlier speaking how my autism affects my work, every time I speak about that, I make sure that I don't only list the challenges, I also list the strengths because I think it's important to also acknowledge that there are things that our autism can help us with. So just making sure that you focus on those as well and not only the challenges. 
That's excellent. We'll make sure the word is out there and we agree 100%. And we have um, closing questions. As we are here to support each other, what is the number one tool or practice that you've really enjoyed recently or that really made a change in your career or your growth? Uh, I'm happy you asked because there's this one app that I discovered about a week ago and it's really changed my life. I appreciate it's not directly related to SEO or autism, but I do say that good sleep helps you do better at work. So... Like many autistic people, I've always had like chronic sleep problems. But for me, it's not insomnia. It's the other way around. I sleep too heavily. And if you're there suffering from insomnia and you're like, that sounds like a dream, I'm telling you, it's not. Like I struggle a lot with uh, waking up to my alarms because I sleep so deeply that I just sleep through all my alarms. So that's why I always have like 30 different alarms and both my phone and a physical alarm clock. But no longer because I found this app called Sleep Cycle It's essentially like an intelligent alarm clock that it like tracks and analyzes your sleep patterns. And then it makes sure that it wakes you up when you add this lighter sleep phase. So you can maybe tell the app like, okay, I need to wake up at 7.30. And then it gives you like a 30 minute window between 7 and 7.30. And when you're at your lightest sleep phase, that's when it wakes you up. And um, I've been using it for a week and literally every day I've woken up on time. So that's really changed my life. So if there's any other people there who struggle with waking to their alarms, try this app. Not sponsored by them. I'd love to be, but yeah, I just want to share the word <laughs> to anyone who might struggle with waking up. Just enough and you rise and shine and you're ready to do things. That sounds really awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I was super suspicious when someone recommended it to me, but yeah, I'm, re I'm ready to become their spokesperson now. It's changed my mornings. Like even if I haven't gotten enough sleep because it wakes me up at when I'm already almost awake, it makes me feel like I've gotten more sleep than I actually have. So high recommendations for sleep cycle. Thanks a lot for sharing about the app. And of course, thanks a lot for sharing everything about uh, your working life and what you're doing at the moment. And we'll make sure to get the words out there and to have lots of speaking opportunities your way. We are WTS Podcasts and we are on a mission to amplify brilliant women's voices. And it was great for you of you to make the time and to join me for this interview. Of course, if anyone has any follow-up questions, they can get back to you on Twitter and probably on LinkedIn. I mean, your name is easy to um, easy to find. And there are, of course, lots of entries in social media. So just go ahead, people, ask and share. Thanks a lot, Greta, for joining me. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was such a nice... Nice discussion and a good good way to start a week. Uh, it's, I appreciate it's Monday morning we're recording this, but I already feel more ready for this week ahead and now after our chat. Yay! <laughs> let's do let's do that. Thanks a lot. And I was your host, Isalin Mühlhauser. You can find us on Twitter, WTS Podcast. And I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Bye and thank you. 